Well, open your Bibles with me to John chapter 14. I think this first verse is a good verse for all of us to remember. Look at what it says. Let not your heart be troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Hold your place right there. Go to Psalm 14. So we're in John 14.1. Now look at Psalm 14.1. The fool hath said in his heart, There is no God. The fool hath said in his heart, There is no God. Go back to John 14.1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. You know that there are people in the world who believe, they really do believe, that the way that the cure for their troubled heart is to remove God from the equation. If there's no God, then there's no guilt, and these feelings of guilt that I have will be removed. And the reason for the guilt feelings is that the individual wants to live their life as they see it, as opposed to the way God wants them to live it. How many of you remember being a teenager and saying this, when I have my own house... Now, let's, let's just for the fun of it. All you young people, stand up. You young people, stand up. And turn around and look at the crowd. How many of you who are not young people anymore said that? Would you raise your hands? Okay, so there you go. You're not alone. Thanks, guys. You can sit down. You are not alone. Everybody wants to do it their own way. And let me tell you something that I know from experience. My way is the best. You want to know something that's really funny? I'm one of those people that would have said, when I am out of this house, I'm going to do, and you know what I found out? I do it exactly the way Dad did. Because you know what I learned? And sometimes through experience, my way didn't work real well. Dad's way was right. And Dad had learned it. It wasn't what Dad came up with. It was the truth. It was the truth. Now, let's read on this text. I want you to see something. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. When I, when I preach this text at funerals, some of you have heard me do this. I talk about certainties. So there are some certainties here. In my Father's house are many mansions, so heaven is real. If we're not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. It's a real place. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. So what we see here in this text is that heaven is real and Christ's return is real. His return is just as real as heaven is. You see that? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Your hope of heaven is real. Your place in heaven is real. That's awesome. That's awesome. You know, you might be here today wishing that you had a home, wishing that you had a home of your own. And just right now, financially, that's just not, that's just not where you... Can I promise you something? If you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you have a home forever. You have a home forever. 
And if I go and prepare a place for you, verse 3, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Now look at this. And whither I go, you know, and the way you know. So Jesus is saying, you know how I'm going to go, and you know where I'm going to go. That's what Jesus is telling them. Do you see that? Then Thomas speaks up. No, we don't. Look at the verse. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Now, here's Thomas. And this is so good for our culture and for Generation X. See, Generation Xers struggle with this concept of truth. And what they've come to imbibe is you have your truth and that's okay, and I have my truth. You have your truth and I have my truth. Multiculturalism tells us that both of those truths are equally valid. Okay? So my truth is that I like to make airplanes out of lead. That's my truth. Your truth is you like to make them out of aluminum or lightweight things. I like to make mine out of lead. Are both of those ideas valid, equally valid? Why? Because one works and one doesn't. One is true and one isn't. The spruce goose. How many of you know what the spruce goose is? It's not getting poked with a tree. That's not what that's talking about. The spruce goose was a plane, this huge plane built entirely of wood that Howard Hughes built, and it flew for, I don't know, a few hundred feet or whatever, and then it was put in mothballs. Why? He wanted to prove that he could build it and it would fly. And it did fly, just not very well. Why? It weighed too much. So you have your truth and I have my truth and they're both equally true is an absolutely absurd statement. So Gen Xers, this idea of exclusive truth, it's difficult because we're told not to care too much about anything. And when you watch the, the, the Gen Xers, the young people, and I'm not criticizing you, this is the culture that you were raised in, the idea is let's not get too excited. Let's not get too worked up. Let's just be. Now listen to what Jesus said. Thomas would be a great Gen Xer. He was a skeptic. He was the one who said, I'm not going to believe in the resurrection unless I can put my fingers in his hands and my fist in his side. I'm going to, I have to see it to believe it. And so here, Thomas, verse 5, saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And look what he says in verse 7. If ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also. And from henceforth ye know him, and have seen him. Then Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. And so this is the cry of the Gen Xer. This is the cry of our culture. If I see it, I'll believe it. Show me. Show me. Show me. And Jesus says to him, I've shown you myself. I came into this world. I lived a sinless life. You've been with me. You know me. And if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the way. 
If you've seen me, you've seen truth. You've seen justice. You've seen righteousness. You've seen love. You've seen respect. You've seen everything that you need. It's Jesus Christ. That's what Jesus Christ is telling them. Verse 6 again. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. I want you to see, first of all, that Jesus Christ is the way to the Father. You know there's no life outside the Father? Look at John chapter 17. Verse 1. John 17, verse 1. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify thy Son that thy Son also may glorify thee. What's going on here is Jesus Christ is getting ready to go die on the cross. Verse 2 as thou hast given him power over all flesh. Let me just stop. Everybody look up here for just a second. Was Jesus talking to himself here? Who's he talking to? The Father. The Father. The Father. So if you come from a background that says that, that there's no such thing as the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, that there's only Jesus. Sometimes he appears as the Father. Sometimes he appears as the Holy Ghost. Sometimes, that's completely false. The Godhead is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen? It's like a triangle. You have to have three sides to make up a triangle. If you don't have the three sides, it's not a triangle. It, it's something else. Right? It's an A-frame. It's something else. It's not a triangle. You've got to have all three sides to be a triangle. Do we have any geometry people here? Any ge is that true? Is that a true statement? You have to, it, for it to be a triangle, there has to be three. For it to be God, there has to be God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. That's the Godhead. He was not schizophrenic. You know, roses are red, violets are blue, I'm schizo and so am I. That's the schizophrenic poem. Nine out of five Americans don't believe they're schizophrenic. Have you heard that? It's true. It's true. All right, verse 2. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. Look at verse 3. And this is life eternal that they might know Thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom Thou hast sent. You can't have eternal life without knowing the Father. And there's only one way to get to the Father. That's Jesus Christ. He's the way. He's the way. That's it. He's the only way. Go, go to Matthew chapter 7. Look at verse 14. Jesus is the way. Let's look at what the Bible says about the way. Not the cult over in New Knoxville, but Jesus. Matthew chapter 7, and look at verse 14. Verse 13, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is, what's it say? The way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. So Jesus Christ is the way to the Father, and He's the way to life. He's the way to life. And what we see is that it is a narrow way, and it is an exclusive way. This goes back to multiculturalism. You have your truth, I have my truth. The only difference is your truth will lead you to destruction. My truth will lead me to heaven. What's the difference? 
Is it me? Am I the difference? No, the difference is the truth. One truth is true, one is not. It is not truth. And it is an exclusive message. There's only one way to heaven, and it's through Jesus Christ, and that is a very narrow, a very narrow way. And you might say, that's not fair. I don't like that. It's just the truth. Uh, I don't like it that 2 plus 2 equals 4. I don't like that. Actually, I just don't like math in general. It's evil. It's of the devil. There's no doubt. 2 plus 2 equals 4. If I say 2 plus 2 equals 5, that really doesn't matter to anyone. Right? Unless I'm an airplane designer. Unless I'm a pharmacist. Right? How many of you want your pharmacist to know how to count? Is that helpful? That's a, that's a helpful thing, right? It is so interesting how absolute truth, absolute truth matters in everything except belief in this culture. It, it is, it is an, a narrow way. It is an exclusive way. And it is a right way. We're going to see that in a minute. It's Jesus Christ. He's the only way. There's only one way to live well. And that's to live the way that Jesus Christ wants you to live. That's it. Salvation is only through Jesus. We're going to wrap that up in a minute. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. When you get to 1 Corinthians 10, look up here. When I talk about Jesus Christ being the way to the Father, John 14, 6, and Jesus Christ being the way to life, when we see that in Matthew 7, 14, and we talk about it being a narrow way and an exclusive way. Here's what people think. You see, we all process information based on our belief system, right? So if I had told you forever that this color is red, and so I, I tell you that, that I want you to go get the red card, and you bring this back, and I look at it, and I say, I told you to get the red one. I did. I did get you the red one. What's the problem? Faulty definition. It's a faulty definition. Do you know that many people have faulty definitions of God, of righteousness, of salvation, of grace? They have faulty definitions of faith. You know there are people that think that faith is believing in the absurd. No, no, no. Faith is believing in the truth. It's believing in the truth. Is it absurd that Jesus Christ rose from the dead? Humanly speaking, yes. But when you realize that He's God, it is no longer absurd. You see? What's the difference? A proper definition of God. And so we have to understand proper thinking and proper definitions. When we talk about Jesus Christ being the only way, what we mean is that that's the only thing that you can believe in is Jesus. 
See, if you believe that you have to be good enough to go to heaven, you can't be good enough to go to heaven. The Bible says in Romans chapter 3, there is none righteous, no, not one. You cannot be good enough to go to heaven, but God commended His love toward us, Romans 5, 8, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Any of you sinners in here? Yeah, join the club. Hi, I'm Jim. I'm a sinner. We're all sinners. We are all sinners. We all deserve hell. But Jesus Christ, based on His mercy, His love, His grace, He died on the cross and paid your sin debt. He paid my sin debt. That's what made Him the only way to heaven. That's it. So here's the deal. If you're here today and you don't know for sure that you're going to heaven and you would like to know how to get there, you don't get there by becoming a Baptist. Now look, I like Baptist doctrine, right? I wrote a book called Why Baptist? Why Are We Baptist? with Dalton Robertson. I'm, I, and I'm happy to be a Baptist, but there are, uh, uh, Dalton says this, there are more Baptists in Texas than will be in heaven. Being a Baptist never took anyone to heaven. There's only one way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He's the way to the Father. He said, enter in at the straight gate. The way is narrow. The way is not Baptist. The way is narrow. We're not trying to get you to become a Baptist. We're trying to get you to become a child of God. That happens by faith in Jesus. That's it. It's faith in Him. It's a narrow way. It's the way to the Father. It's an exclusive way. That's it. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10. This is very interesting. Um, verse 12 is a great verse. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take, standeth take heed lest he fall. Right? That's a really good thing to, to remember when you're up on scaffolding. Right? You're, you're, you're climbing a wall and you're climbing a ladder. Be careful. How many of you have ever been up on a ladder and you thought you were secure and next thing you knew you weren't? Dr. Ree, where are you? Dr. Ree, yes. Josh, <laughs> right? All of us have done that. All of us have done that. What's a good thing to remember when you're up on a ladder? Take heed, lest you fall, right? So in the passage, what's it talking? Be careful how you walk, right? Now look at the next verse. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. So the old spiritual, nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Well, yeah, pretty much everybody. Now look, if you have a scale, cancer is worse than falling off your bike. Is that fair? Is that fair? But if you've never had cancer, falling off your bike is pretty bad. So when you're in that, especially for a child, it feels like cancer. You know, you're in this bad situation. But what you have to understand is everybody has trouble. Everyone has temptation. Look what the Bible says. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is, what's that next word? Faithful. I love that. Who will not suffer you. Now, that, that He won't allow you. He won't let this come into your life. He will not suffer you to be tempted 
above that ye are able. Have you ever heard someone say, I can't take it? If they're a Christian, do you know what the answer is? Yes, you can. Yes, you can. And this is why people don't come to me for counseling very often. But yes, you can. All right. I remember I said to Dave McCracken one time, um, I hope you all get to meet him. Many of you have. He's the pastor that I worked for in Oklahoma. <clears throat> he came here and, and preached my ordination. Um, I said to him one time, and this is years ago, I don't know if I can be the kind of pastor that Grace Baptist needs me to be. There have been some fights. I had to be strong to get to a certain place. And I really needed to shift the kind of pastor that I needed to be for Grace Baptist. And I said to him, I don't know if I can be the kind of pastor that Grace Baptist needs me to be. And we're playing golf. Brother Dave said, yes, you can. That was the end of the conversation. He went on, I'm waiting for this great counseling, and that was it. It's very interesting. The Bible says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make, what's it say? A way to escape that you may be able to bear it. So when you're in temptation, what's the answer? Jesus. Jesus. Jesus Christ, He bore your sin. The Bible says we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. So the way, when I am in temptation, the answer is not my strength. The answer is Jesus Christ. He is the way. I don't know what your temptation is right now. I don't know what it is. I don't know what you're going through. And it could be a temptation to sin. It could be a temptation to quit. It could be a temptation to leave your marriage. It could be a temptation to whatever it is. I promise you the answer is not sin. That is an, that is an answer, but it's not the right answer. The answer is Jesus Christ. He is there with you. And again, here's what happens. People say, why would a loving God allow this to happen? Because the Bible says, before I was afflicted, I went astray. How many of you know that sometimes you need to learn a lesson? That ever happened to you? Right? You know what I learned a lesson when I was a kid? I learned this lesson. This was a valuable lesson for me. Don't put keys in electrical outlets. How many of you believe that's a valuable lesson? Yes. Did anyone else here learn that lesson? You, raise your, you, you learned that lesson too. I'm so proud. I'm not alone. Carol, you and me, we're the key people. I really did. I have a key and it's a certain shape. And I look in the wall and there's this hole that's that same shape. It must go in there. I learned a lesson. Why did God let that happen? I have no idea. All I know is I learned a lesson. Don't do this. We get lessons. I mentioned a few weeks ago, you know, that we had a son die. Why did that happen? The only reason that I can come up with is because that's the only way that Jim Alter could understand what it means to have a broken heart. It wasn't very long after I became pastor here. I had to deal with two different families that lost children. I would not have known how to deal with those people if I hadn't felt it. You don't read it in a book, folks. If you're like me, you've got to put the key in the outlet to understand 
that's a bad idea. Why does God allow these things to happen? So that we can help other people. So that we can be refined. So that we can be holy. So that we can be righteous. So that we can help people. And there's a way. There's a way out of it. It's Jesus Christ. How many of you have seen someone make the same mistake over and over and over again? And that's a bad idea, right? You know, it's the guy that was hitting himself in the head with a stick. And somebody came and said, why are you doing that? He said, because it feels so good when I stop. I don't recommend that. And you look at people and the way that they live, it's like they're pounding themselves in the head with a hoe handle. Over and over and over again, they're just whacking themselves in the head with this thing. And you're saying, why are you doing that? One of these days, you've got to understand, if you'll stop doing that, you'll feel better. Right? If you stop living in sin, you'll feel better. If you stop hanging on to resentment, you'll feel better. If you stop hanging on to bitterness, you'll feel better. If you'll stop hanging on to anger and unforgiveness, you'll feel better. What's the only way to get through all that? Jesus Christ. Give it to Him. How many of you are thankful He's a righteous judge? He is a righteous judge. There are things that our justice system will never solve. I was in Washington, D.C. a month or so ago with Jerome Pittman, our missionary, and we're walking along, and I walked by the Justice Department, a couple of of police officers out in front, and I said, hey, is there any justice in there? And the guy looked at me and said, are you crazy? Do you know what that building is? It's hilarious. There are things in this world that the justice system will never solve, but we have a just God. He's our way. He's the way to the Father. He's, it's the narrow way. And He is the way of escape. I don't know where you are right now. You might need that way of escape today. You might need the way of salvation. Do you know for sure if you died today, you're going to heaven? Are you sure? If you don't know for sure, you can find out. What are you believing in? Do you think that every way is okay? If you do, that's like saying every medicine is okay. I have a headache. Here's some chemo pills. It's ridiculous. No one would think that's right. Every answer is not okay. There's only one answer. And then are you in trouble? Are you in temptation? Are you in some kind of trial? How do you get out of it? Trust Jesus. Just trust Jesus. He might take you out of it. He might keep you in it and preserve you through it. But Jesus Christ is the answer. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father.